The Bible Study Podcast, Episode 81. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of 1 Timothy. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. Let's jump right in here to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Here is a trustworthy saying, if anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. Now the overseer must be above reproach, the husband of but one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders, so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. Deacons, likewise, are to be men worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested, and then if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. So Paul is talking about people who are going to be leaders in the church, and he uses the word overseer. It's also translated as traditionally bishop, or the head of the local church. And he's setting aside some requirements that he's saying we should look for in the character of the people who would serve as a bishop or an overseer. Now, he is in both of these sections for the bishop and the deacons using a male pronoun, and I'm not going into much detail with that because we just talked about that somewhat in the last chapter in the last episode two weeks ago. But I would say that one thing we should be aware of, at least with the term deacon, Paul also uses that term in Romans 16 verse 1 about our sister Phoebe, a servant or a deacon of the church in Sencrea. So Paul does, at least in one other case, name somebody as a deacon or as a servant of the church, which is what deacon means, who is a woman. But ignoring that for now, looking at the characteristics he is looking at besides, in this case, a implied Y chromosome. Paul is saying for someone to be an overseer or a bishop in the church, they're looking for someone basically who is spiritually mature. And then he describes characteristics of someone who is spiritually mature. And so since this is, I believe, an indication of maturity, this is something that is not just a goal for someone who wants to be bishop, but this is a goal for a mature Christian, or at least let's interpret it that way. He's looking at someone who is above reproach. He's looking at someone who has an open life that everyone can see both inside and outside the church. There's nothing in what this person does or says that is inconsistent. It's something who is not hypocritical, and it's someone who is not secretive, but is open and has a reputation that people respect. Again, both inside and outside the church. They must be above reproach. The husband of but one wife. Remember, we're still looking at this time at a place where there is polygamy. And it's interesting that Paul, probably for one of the first times in the New Testament, says, really, that's not where we're going here as we move from Old Testament to New Testament. Remember in Old Testament, there were certainly people like David and Solomon and Isaac who had molded in one wife. But he's saying, if we're looking for somebody in a bishop, probably it's just too many distractions. So husband of but one wife, temperate, self-controlled, 
Both of those, I think, are similar terms in the sense that he's looking for someone who has mastered themselves first. Why put somebody in charge of the church, he says, if they can't master their own family, if they can't manage their own family? But also, why put somebody in charge of the church if they can't manage themselves? So we're looking for people who are not hotheads. We're looking for people who are not argumentative. We're looking for people who are thoughtful, who are self-controlled. Because that is a sign of spiritual maturity in all of us. Looking for people who are respectable. Now, we're not talking about people who dress nicely, and that's sometimes what we term respectable in, but who are worthy of respect, who are living a life that we can look to as an example of a mature Christian, looking at people who deserve our respect, who have earned it by the way that they act, the way that they behave. They're hospitable. So again, this openness that they are welcoming to people both in the church and probably outside the church, that they're able to teach because that's part of the role in this case. That isn't something that is an attribute of their personality, but it's something that there's a gift that they have. He's looking for people that can instruct the church in that position, not given to drunkenness, again, that they can manage themselves, not violent, but gentle. And it's important to put that in context as we go on to some of the other things. But again, they are someone who is full of grace. They're someone who is not a hothead. They're going to give you the benefit of the doubt. They're going to correct people in the church in a gentle fashion because that's part of the role of the overseer or the bishop. They're not quarrelsome. They're not picking fights. They're bringing peace. Not a lover of money. They've got their priorities set correctly. Again, a sign of maturity. They understand the priorities, the extent of the importance of money compared to the importance of their faith must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. Now, don't take that out of context of somebody not violent but gentle. So their approach to their own children is not to demand respect, but to instill respect. Someone who is, again, respectable, worthy of respect even from their own children, and gentle with them. And that's a different perspective, I sometimes think, when we look at this and we say, his children must obey him. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert because, again, we're looking for somebody who has displayed a depth of character through his life. And so we're looking at somebody who is proven, somebody who is reliable, who is respectable, again, who has earned the respect of the body of Christ, the local body of Christ. And also, if you have somebody who's a recent convert, they may become conceited. They haven't the perspective and fall under the same judgment as the devil. Remember that the judgment the devil is under is the devil became too full of himself and thought of himself more highly than God. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders. It's interesting because sometimes in the church we forget to even have relationships with outsiders. It's easy for us in the church to get so busy, so wrapped up in all the business of the church that we don't even know anyone outside the church. And I don't think that that is the desire of God, and it's not consistent with the gospel, I believe. I've personally had to find ways to minister outside of the church, to find my mission in addition to ministry inside the church. 
He must have a good reputation with outsiders so he will not fall into disgrace in the devil's trap. We have certainly see that. We've seen the televangelists who have fallen into disgrace because their internal life, their internal thought life, their private lives was not consistent with what they were teaching. And that's not what we're looking for in mature Christians. That's not what we're looking for in bishops and in deacons. Deacons, likewise, are to be men, again, worthy of respect, sincere. Again, we're looking for people who are not hypocrites, that this is really their faith. They're here for the right reasons, not indulging in much wine. Again, we're not looking for people who are getting drunk and not pursuing dishonest gain. Again, their consistency, that they understand the value of money. They're not a lover of money. They're not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested. It's interesting. So it says basically here that before you're putting somebody in leadership, understand them, know their strengths and weaknesses. And if there's nothing against them, then let them serve as deacons. And Paul goes on here, in the same way, their wives are to be women worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be the husband of but one wife and must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. Although I hope to come to you soon, I am writing these instructions so that, if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Beyond all question, the mystery of godliness is great. He appeared in a body, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by the angels, was preached among the nations, and was believed on in the world, and was taken up in glory. The first part here where Paul continues on with talking about deacons, and he says that their wives must be basically also mature, and in particular not malicious talkers, temperate, trustworthy, and everything. Similar sorts of things. Managers of themselves and gracious. A malicious talker would be the opposite of that graciousness, where they're looking to hurt people behind their backs. That's not a sign of maturity. We also get a little bit here this theme of marriage, that I think there is an indication in the gospel and a little bit in this text that a good marriage can be a witness for God. I had a coworker many years ago who said when she got married, she'd want to keep her job, which is fine. I didn't have any problems with that. But she went on to say that because she didn't know anyone who had a good marriage, not her parents, not her grandparents, not siblings, not relatives, not friends. She didn't know anyone who had a good marriage. Her understanding was that marriages fail. And certainly a lot of marriages fail. And I think it is important to realize that how we conduct ourselves with our spouse is also a witness to God. Because in that relationship tests more than any other relationship how selfish we will be or how giving we will be because it's constantly there where we have to make sacrifices for the other person in the marriage. Paul isn't sure how long it's going to be until he comes, and so he's written down some of these instructions so they'll know basically how to act as he writes back to Timothy, who he's left behind at one of the churches that he's ministered at, I believe at Ephesus. And he ends with this, 
wonderful kind of doxology here about Jesus, appeared in body, vindicated by spirits, seen by angels, preached among nations, believed in by the world, and taken up in glory. This wonderful section of praise here of who Christ is, and then also, if that is Christ, then who is the church? The pillar and the foundation of the truth, something upon which God is building. And so, let's build with the best materials is really what this chapter is about. Let's understand the importance of what we're doing here and take it seriously and create lives that are worthy of that calling. And with that, we'll bring this episode of the Bible Study Podcast to a close. If you have any questions, feel free to send them to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or leave a comment at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And as always, thanks so much for listening. I'm Don Hawkins, inviting you to be encouraged with my weekly podcast, Encouragement for You. To subscribe, go to lifeaudio.com.